Authorization required. Captain's log. The impossible has happened. Somewhere along this journey, we'll find a way back. Enter authorization code. We might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. Our mission is to go forward. But it's just begun. There's still much to do. Still so much to learn. Security authorization accepted. Command codes verified. Transfer complete. You're listening to An Hour with the Continuing Committee with your host, Charlie Plain. Uh, my name is Richard New. I've been uh, fortunate enough to help design two of the sets most recently uh, in the Star Trek CCG 2nd Edition. And what's your? how do people know you on the message boards? Uh, they know me as the Guardian. The Guardian. So we'll get back to design in a minute, but why don't you tell everybody out there a little bit about you and your history with Star Trek CCG? Uh, well, uh, started back in 1995. I went to a wrestling tournament with my dad, uh, big in wrestling high school, and afterwards we stopped by a comic book shop, and I said, "Ooh, I want to buy that." So we did, and uh, been hooked on it ever since. Um, have you? Do you play frequently, or I mean, did you used to play a lot and don't play much now? What's your status there? So. I definitely used to play a lot more than I do now. Uh, I w- used to be in the Iowa play group, and we had a pretty good group going on there for a while in uh, Ames, Iowa. Um, nowadays, I live in Texas, and closest player that has a reasonable amount of cards is up uh, three hours away, so not a lot of playing going on. Well, But you've been a regular at Gen Con the past couple years, at least, and, and I know you're always on the message boards and, and involved. Uh, how... How hard is it to stay on top of things when you're not playing regularly? That's it, it's definitely difficult to uh, really get involved in a lot of the discussions. For instance, I was reading some of the uh, legacy discussions earlier today, and I mean, I, I read what other people have to say about it, but I, I unfortunately don't have a lot of experience just because uh, I played against it once. I played at Worlds this year and uh, in Germany and uh, played against it once, and that, that's really all the experience I have. So th- there may be some people out there who are saying, well, if he doesn't ever get to play, why is he designing cards? That's a good point. Why, why do you, why, I mean, how did, you, how did you come to be involved in the design team at all? Well, um, I... Uh, was invited by Brad uh, right before they did uh, what became, uh, these are the, uh, or excuse me, uh, I always forget the name of the actual, because I keep thinking of Valkyrie. And, uh, oh, This Side of Paradise. Side of Paradise, there you go. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, as I understand it, although I could be wrong here, uh, it was on recommendation from you. Um, the for the longest time I, I've been involved on the uh, the Dream Cards board and uh, you and I have talked about other things and in fact uh, uh, did um, uh, some design for the uh, Section 32 group that was uh, making uh, Dream Card expansions and uh, so we worked together on a couple of expansions there and so uh, got invited by Brad and couldn't say no. Yeah, well, I mean, why would you? So Yeah. Um, how did you get involved in, in Dream Cards, and, and how long have you been doing that? 
Dream cards pretty much since I first came onto the uh, Decipher website and saw there was a Dream Cards board. I was just, I, I immediately thought, oh, I've got to put in, i got to imagine what I would want in the game. Um, started doing Dream Cards right away. Um, it was a while before I uh, decided I was going to do my own set. I mean, there was uh, some of the uh, big names on the board back in the day, like Siskoid, had 15 or so projects that he would regularly update. Remember that guy? Love that guy. Oh, yeah, um, I know. <laughs> and uh, so I decided I finally wanted to do my own and finally came up with a project called uh, One-Two Punch-Up, where I took every one card and eventually made a uh, second edition card out of it. Now, we had um, Gooey Chewy on a couple weeks ago. He, he does a lot of dream cards, and, and him and you are probably two of the, the, the better-known names that have come out of the dream card community so, so just, granted it's a small sample set but obviously working on dream cards has given you some sort of knowledge that has led to right you know being recognized you know as a designer either you you being invited by brad or um, nathan being a runner-up and make it so do, do you think designing dream cards makes you a better designer or now looking back do you realize I had no idea what I was doing? <laughs> uh, I have looked back over the, because uh, I kept every uh, card that I did for one, two, punch up. So I, I have looked back over and some of the early stuff I definitely look back on and think, oh, what was I thinking? That's horrible. That would never work. But um, I think it definitely gives you, you get better with everything with practice. I mean, I'm a teacher now. That's why I tell my students constantly, keep practicing. You'll eventually get good at it. Um so I think, I mean, that's the same thing with Gooey. I, I see him uh, on the, he's constantly involved in the uh, uh, contest on the Dream Cards boards. Um, uh, one of our other, uh, the, uh, one of our other runners up from the uh, uh, Next Designer Challenge, the Make It So Challenge, it was uh, uh, Kano Hendrickson. He was one of my favorite guys to read his cards on the Dream Cards board, and I think that paid off for him too. So just practice, keep trying it out, see what works, see what people like, see you know, and then of course, always pay attention to what the designers are telling you works and doesn't work. I I learned so much from Brad before I ever even came into designing, just because uh, he talked about how you know type A doesn't work, whereas type B uh, is the the safe way to go. No examples come to mind, but yeah, I mean, just listen and learn. Yeah. So. Um... I totally lost my train of thought there. I, I will say that I think your your one-two punch-up is one of the best things ever done. I was so happy to see you continue it when we moved off Decipher to, to our forums. Is it something you still enjoy doing, or is it something you just kind of feel obligated to do at this point? Um, there's a certain obligation, but I, I still have a lot of fun doing it just because it's not um, like an official, it's not official design, so it just sort of me kicking back. I mean, I imagine, uh, I imagine anyone who's a professional at anything just, you know, I, I imagine Mike Tyson likes to uh, uh, just play shadow boxing with his friends. You know, I mean, it, it it's fun just to try your professional stuff. Well, maybe not professional, but try to do stuff that you uh, do uh, as a job, and then uh, get to have fun doing it. Otherwise, what's the point? So. Yeah, I have a lot of fun still doing it. If you read the boards now, I still, um, by the time this goes up, it'll be, I'll have about 10 or so more to do on the uh, last one he set. So, 
Yeah, and now with regular 2E expansions and 1E expansions, we're keeping you twice as busy, I guess. So <laughs> That's true. Um, I know one of the things that I learned about dream cards versus real cards is that, and I hopefully the people out there who are listening to this who like to make dream cards take this to heart. The tendency when you're making dream cards is to make very good cards to appeal to popularity or to, you know, this happened to me, I'm going to make a card that directly stops what that is. And that's, that's probably the biggest difference between, you know, designing for an actual expansion and designing a dream card is you can't cater to popularity. Oh, absolutely. I, on the contest, I often don't vote for the one that, for a long time, it seemed like everybody loved the and immediately overcomes and prevents this dilemma text. And I would never vote for any of those just because I didn't like it from the very beginning. So uh, yeah, it's an extremely powerful effect and going straight towards uh, you know, the most powerful thing doesn't isn't always the best card. That's definitely true. Any, anybody who wants proof that uh, Richard and I don't really care about making popular cards should look at Eris. So. <laughs> Eris, but anyway, um, so talk. You got you got recruited in for for Valkyrie, which was this side of Paradise, which was wow, a year and a half ago now. Um, yeah. How did that? You know what what happened? You, you you got invited in, and from there, what what happened? How did you become a designer? Um. Well, pretty much just like that. It was uh, Brad emails uh, private messaging me one day says, "Hey, I'd like you to uh, be involved in the next set. You know, it's going to be a lot of work. You're probably not going to like." working with me for after a little bit, but, uh, uh, and I'm going to ex- demand a lot out of you. And if you still want to say yes, I'll take yes. And I thought about it for a little bit. Didn't take me long to decide, but yeah, I got to do it. And, um, about, I don't know, maybe about a month later or so, we finally started getting into the set and it just needed to, he needed to wind down the previous set and get into Valkyrie. So started giving us some, uh, Pointers on what he was looking for at that point. Uh, I think Chris was helping design that one. And um, uh, so just started saying, okay, here's a list of uh, women. Start writing stuff. And so we started writing stuff. And, uh, different ideas for what we wanted the women to do. Things were thrown out. Things were uh, tossed back in. And eventually it evened out to the set we saw. Now, um, Brad has said it. I've said it. It's been said throughout Make It So, but... Uh, I'll have you confirm for everybody else about what percentage of your ideas actually made it through Brad's initial screening process. Oh, geez. Uh, like 20%, maybe tops. Uh, I, I might have a higher percentage than most people just simply because I don't throw something out there unless I'm sure of it. Um, and even, you know, I mean, even then you're looking at it 20%. And so the stuff I'm sure about apparently didn't make the cut. So, um, I tried to do it a little bit better this time, just kept throwing out as much as I could. But, uh, yeah, it's very, very small percentage of uh, what you have as an idea actually comes out on the page. We have the um, uh, dilemma that we've already revealed in this set, the um, one where the guys are stealing the trilithium. I forget the actual name now. Trilithium heist. Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, there was a whole. There's a whole cycle of those dilemmas in there, and I remember when he first suggested the idea, hey, throw something out there where uh, you get a reward, uh, you know, you can sort of upgrade the dilemmas. I threw out, I don't know, like a dozen or so, and I think two ended up in the playtest file. So, yeah, it's lots of stuff that gets thrown by the wayside. 
Yeah, I, I, you you did better than me in Extreme Measures because not too many of my. I mean, well, I had the whole Children of Light team that just got axed. So I mean, I, I did a lot of development in this one instead of like pitching ideas. I mean, I'd say more years. Brad's all over this one. Like for some reason, the the team was Brad, you, and me, and I'd say probably like I don't know eight out of ten cards are, are almost pure Brad with you know from design point. You know, another fifteen percent's you, and maybe a couple are mine. But once we got into development, you you were really busy, so you weren't doing as much development. But I did, I kind of did a lot of development there. So and just so we should be clear to everybody, uh, design is sort of figuring out what you want a card in a set to do, and development is making it work. Wouldn't Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. So. How many, you know, so you, you did uh, this side of Paradise, and then you were done, and, you know, did you expect that you would ever get to come back, or was it a surprise when you got invited back? I I sort of wondered about it. It seemed like uh, when uh, Chris and I were on the team together, anything that he came up with, I agreed with. Anything that I came up with, he seemed to agree with. So it, it, it almost seemed like, you know, if you were to build a, 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 a team to create ideas, you I would think you'd want some conflict going on just so, you know, people argue over stuff. And, uh, it, you know, we're just really, uh, really in sync there. And, uh, um, and so I sort of wondered, like, I wonder if it'll just be put on another team uh, or just go with somebody. You know, if you already had a Chris, he doesn't need another one, that type of thing. But uh, so I was very pleased when uh, he said, well, hey, we'd like you back for number 23. So now how was go ahead? Sorry. No, I just said I said yes on that one, too. How was Extreme Measures pitched to you? Um, at first, it was just, look, this is number 23. We're going to call, call it Jordan, and I don't know what it is yet. And uh, at first, we were, uh, in fact, at one point, I made a post on the board suggesting, hey, let's do this. Or And I'm, you know, I won't throw that idea out there because it's a design idea, but... Um, Let's do a set focused on such and such. And uh, unfortunately, uh, well, probably fortunately, uh, Brad decided not to go with it and uh, said, hey, uh, I like the idea of doing a Necessary Evil 2. So we started looking at five points again and uh, pulled out the old cut files to get some ideas for uh, things worth losing five points for. And I think we came up with some pretty good ideas overall. Yeah, there's there's definitely some some swingy cards in here now. Um, peak performance came out and was somewhat controversial. Um, was that on your mind at all when we, I mean, just so everybody knows, and we've talked about it before, but there's, we were working on extreme measures even before peak performance came out. You know, there's, there's about a six month period between when work starts and work finishes and then another month or so to release the expansion. Um, and you went to Worlds and saw some of the fallout. Did that alter what we were doing in Extreme Measures at all for you? I don't really think so. Um, it, it, I can think of maybe one or two cards that, it, in my experience at Worlds, sort of modified my thought on. For instance, we had a version of Hoshi in the set that obviously got cut, but um, I, I, I don't know. It, I tried for a while to try and make 
uh, a Hoshi card, and we decided she was going to be a lose five points thing, so it had to be a powerful effect, but I didn't want to make it too powerful so that it, you know, made the, the damage starkly even better, and then uh, you made it, you, you know, make it too powerful, and it, everybody was like, oh my goodness, now damage starkly is even more broken. You make it too weak, and it's like, well, I would never use, uh, I wouldn't use her over Uneasy, uneasy Educator, so it, that, I mean, it was just a tightrope that we couldn't walk on that one, and a lot of my uh, uh, experience, because I played Damage Star Fleet, I have to say, on uh, in Worlds, and um, did, I mean, half and half with it, but uh, I, just trying to think of things that, gaps that they were missing, and there's really not a whole lot in that, and didn't really work out to be a uh, card that was really worth keeping anyway, so I'm glad we cut that one. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the playtesting <laughs> feedback was either she's terrible and I'd never use her, or this is way too good, why are you giving Starfleet more cards? Which yeah. isn't really good feedback, but t to be fair, it's true. Uh, I, I think a couple cards ended up, I won't say toned down, but like Ferengi tradition, uh, for the first few versions didn't remove from the game. It just, you know, play it, lose 10, score 20, goes to your discard pile. And after some of the stuff with the uh, ruling council and, and some of the looping stuff came out of Worlds, I think it became remove this event from the game instead. So just, just do you think that kind of stuff happened more where we were just, you know, not being overly cautious, but being cautious where we could to try to avoid a potential problem? I, I, I would go with that. I mean, I, I definitely feel like at certain points we were, I almost felt like we were being too cautious, certainly, uh, listening to the playtesting uh, feedback a lot. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, I, I love our playtesters and I love reading their reports and uh, they do a great job. They play so many games and help us out so much. But a lot, sometimes um, the feedback tends to be, um, you know, the sky is falling a little bit. And uh, you sort of have to be patient and, and sit, the, sit back and say, okay, let's try and maybe whittle it down a little bit and see what happens. Uh, I felt like this time, a lot of times they say, oh, this doesn't work, and immediately was scrapped or hatcheted down. And, you know, it, I felt like a lot of times, oh, well, let's try backing up just a tad bit first instead of, you know, trying to absolutely kill the idea. Uh, a good example of that would be uh, Pharrell. Um, uh, originally, uh, he unstopped five Bajoran personnel, and that uh, became something that they were saying, oh, well, now you get two attempts every time, because you hold him back, attempt with people, he unstops five, and then you attempt again. And, um, it, which absolutely was a great call. It was, uh, it, that, that would have been too powerful. And uh, when that was uh, given back to us as, uh, as uh, feedback, uh, one of the moves was to completely change his game text to something else, and I, I argued with you. Well, let's let's just hold back a little bit. Let's let's whittle it back a little bit. Not you know, I suggested three personnel. You said two. We went with two. Works out great. Yeah, and we ended up. It's funny because when we switched to Bajoran Resistance, we pretty much mocked them after Equinox, mm -hmm. and you know, Pharrell was like you said, it was too good. And then we 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 had he had Rescue Captives ability for a while, and he was doing something else. And when we finally came back to it, he ended up pretty much being exactly what Rudolph Ransom is, only a slightly bit better for yeah. um, 
more limited, but yeah. So, um, what, you know, what else was in extreme measures that you, you know, what didn't make it that you wish we had made or what in there that you wish we hadn't or any particular cards that were fun or horrible to work on? Hmm. I, you know, I gotta say, there's some cards from other sets that uh, I almost wish that we could try again. You know, I, I see, I'd see Cutter. It seems like some of the early playtest versions really have some far out cards that, you know, immediately they're uh, they're said, oh, this doesn't work, and we scrap them and go with something a little bit more mild. And it's sometimes I, I wish, oh, let's try it a couple more times and see if it works. And uh, I mean, I completely understand why we cut them. Uh, it it would take so much playtesting time to get some of those ideas to work out right. Um, early on, let me th- in this one, we had some uh, the brains in a jar uh, oh, card yeah. was an interesting early playtest card. Uh, definitely went beyond the the levels that the game probably need, but you know, had some very interesting ways to get whoever you wanted out and play. So, what was it? What was the concept? Uh, the concept was uh, everybody puts a personnel in the card, and I think, I mean, there was basically some wager made. It was, um, I'd have to bring it up to know for sure, but there was what? some, it, basically the idea was one of you got those personnel. Yeah, everybody downloaded a guy, and then you randomly selected one of those personnel. Whoever owned that personnel took command of all of the ones that were downloaded and then got to draw three cards. Yeah. So it was it was and it was it was the the brains in the jar from the gamesters of Triskelion. So it was you know wagering for these slaves, and it was so cool. And it was and we 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 kept it for a while. I think it went through three or four revisions before. I mean, I think it ended up being that we needed like nine lines of text to get it right, and we only have yeah. seven lines of text. It's it's you know you gotta you gotta move on at that point. But um. One of the things that Brad brought up into virtual expansions was uh, the team concept. Obviously, it had been around in the game before um, in various forms, dating all the way back to second edition. But starting with Allegiance, he really sort of codified that, and he decided that every expansion would have a team. So what do you think of the concept of teams as a designer and a player? I love the idea of teams. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it's really what the game is built on. I, you look at uh, Lord of the Rings and every set they had a team when you come down to it. Uh, they'd have the idea that, okay, we're going to introduce uh, you know, back in um, uh, the, the third movie, the, the Return uh, of the King Return of the King expansion, they started introducing threats and everybody dealt with threats and everybody had their own way of dealing with them and that was I, I thought was a really cool uh, introduction to that game. And if you, I mean, if you look through the sets, they, you know, all the mains really uh, have the same feel, you know, I mean, they, they did their cultural enforcement of the idea, but they all sort of shared that idea. They had that cycle going on. And I really like, I've always really liked that uh, in the one-two punch-ups I did. Uh, anytime that there was a story element combining cards, I tried to make some sort of gameplay way that they were connected. So you'd want to play you'd want to play the characters that are in the same episode together. You know, it's just more fun that way. If you uh, if you know the source material, you want to play, hey, remember that episode? I want that episode to happen on the table. And, and so I think that's a fantastic idea. I'm a big fan of 
teams. So, I mean, when, when you're trying to design them, does it is it harder or easier to make a team? Um, now, I've never done one of our teams. I mean, besides the uh, Bajoran Resistance, as far as like just helping out. I mean, you did the main part in designing that. But um, anything that I've done before, uh, I almost find that it's it's easy in the way that you have you don't have to fit everything on one card. You can spread around all the tools that it, that the uh, the group will need to do whatever they need to do. Um, and on the other hand, coming up with a some theme that makes them unique and useful and special is definitely one of the harder tasks to come up with, to figure out exactly what makes these guys, what's going to make them feel like you're playing Bajoran Resistance? What's going to make them feel like you're playing a, um, a Vidian team or whatever we make next, you know? Yeah. It's tough to find a, a way to hook them all together that makes sense. Uh, the, the Makos are the best uh, best example because they all have Mako and they all want Makos around. Uh, Equinox was was okay because they all shared a common skill, but you know, Bajoran Resistance was actually kind of tough because we didn't pull them all from a single source. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's four or five different episodes that they're pulled from, and and. Uh, I'm working with uh, Foreman and a couple others on the next set, and it we're having a heck of a time hooking the team together in a way that isn't corny. So I, that's the problem. I mean, once you once you get past that, it's really fun to make a team. But keep like I would also argue that the Bajoran Resistance, as as is in extreme measures, isn't really a team as envisioned in Allegiance. Sure. They're they're more like the Ferengi. They they share common characteristics, but they're not really a unified team like Equinox or Movie TOS. Um, as we sorry, we get back on topic. Uh, <laughs> originally, we had the Children of Light in this expansion, and that's the holograms. Um, they the non unique holograms originally appeared in Infinite Diversity, which you also helped work on. Um, we cut them obviously. What What do you remember about the Children of Light, and and why do you think that we cut them? Um, I I feel like the reason we cut them was because we there was there wasn't any uh, overarching gimmick that seemed to hook them together. Not to mention it was going to be unwieldy to. At one point, there was a, a planet mission. I, I think it was a planet mission that turned into their headquarters. Yes, if I remember correctly. And uh, so that was, it's, it's an interesting idea, but it's sort of one that it, there's so much text and extra rules that might go along with something like that. It's, uh, it's something that I think it took a little bit more planning than maybe we had available at the time. And it was easier just to start fresh from a new one than continue along that path. Um, the, the, the thing that I remember, and, and I did the Children of Light, and, I did them start, I mean, they had been worked on for a long time prior to this expansion starting because Brad told me back when we did Infinite Diversity, we're going to do these as the rest of the team and you're going to do them. Because I had, I had pitched the, the mechanic that goes on those non-unique guys that they become the affiliation. Um, they, they just sucked. Like, we couldn't, no matter what we did, people would, the, the playtesters could not make them good, you know, because we wanted, we wanted them to sort of be a, a hologram only deck, kind of like, 
the model we were going for was Androids. Yeah. Right. Not not that not that specific mechanic, but the idea was these guys work together. They're they're mostly non-aligned. They work together. You want them around. You know, you don't want to play. You don't really splash Androids. You can put a data or lore in any deck, but if you're going to play Androids, you have to really invest in Androids. That was the idea with holograms, but no matter what we did with them, they would get beaten 100 to nothing before they ever solved a mission, or people wouldn't use them and would just splash them in other decks and try to, to, to hack the mechanics. So uh, I'm sure they'll be back at some point in the future, but they were gone, and, and we put in Bajoran Resistance. So... Now that they're out and everybody's had the chance to see them, what are your thoughts on our Bajoran Resistance team? I, I like them overall. I think uh, I've definitely thought i got to build a Bajoran Resistance deck and uh, see how the uh, all the cards work together. Um, it feel, it almost sort of feels like a, a bit of a dream come true because that you guys picked that. Because I know uh, back, what, I think it was uh, uh, a Valkyrie. I think it was... Uh, this side of paradise where uh, Brad had asked, you know, do, does anybody want to, you know, throw in something else that they think would work, uh, that they think needs more work? And I suggested make a Bajoran resistance card. Nobody plays those. Uh, I always felt bad that um, Bajorans were such a, uh, a diverse culture. When you saw them on Deep Space Nine, they, yes, they were a, a, a formerly religious people and artistic people, and they had sort of been shoved into this role of playing soldier. And whenever everybody plays Bajoran, it's all integrity. And, you know, you got Kyle Pocket, and you got the, the Burial out there, but very little of um, uh, the other side of the coin, which was, uh, I always felt, was Shakar. Uh, he, he was the uh, strength version of Burial. And I thought that would be, I've, all, I've tried to build decks on that before, but uh, it hasn't really worked. So I'm looking forward to trying it out now. The, the Bajorans always needed a second deck type. The, the one, th I mean, they, they had political push, which was sort of very meta police and mm -hmm. and you could try a treachery deck, but it all paled in comparison to Bajoran Integrity, which kind of got shut down with Transport Crash Survivor. So I am mm -hmm. glad to see a new deck type. I think that they they mechanically work really well together. They, you know, you get the ship out, which lets you... The reason I really like them is that, you know, they work on either losing five points or using the ship to, to blow up your assaults or your hand weapons. The Jorans have 15 points on a single battle. So if you get out early and... Catch, you get out day. Yeah, you get out Connor, you can get 20. So... You, the nice thing is you can really choose, literally choose as you go, well, I would rather have my weapon, my gun, so I'm going to actually lose these five points that I had and still use their abilities. So you, you don't, you know, if somebody comes in and, and wipes out, if you get equipment malfunctioned and somebody quins all of your stuff away, you can still use them. Unlike Equinox, where if you lose all your interrupts and you don't have a lot of bonus points, they're kind of out of luck. So they're more versatile, even though... They're less cohesive. Absolutely. What other decks are you going to put together now that Extreme Measures is out? Mm, let me take a look here. I definitely want to continue along with uh, my original series deck that I was trying to make work earlier. Um, I, I've said on the boards I, I suggested making, uh, returning or moving an event from one mission to another purely for selfish reasons. 
Um, I was trying to make it, it was partially because I tried to uh, play a deck online for a long time where uh, um, I was playing Parting Shot uh, or Parting Shot or Parting Thought. Parting Thought's the one with the cue card. It lets you uh, ditch a card to uh, raise the skill level on a dilemma. Right. And, and I always put them on the wrong missions or. You know, I could never predict where my opponent was going to go. And I was thinking, you know, it, and it, you know, I've tried other things where you play things on a mission, and it never seemed to work. And I was always let, it was sort of throwing it out there was, hey, you know, I've, I've done this so many times, I want a card that allows me to move events from one mission to another. And returning it to hand is the second best thing, so I think 11th grading has to go in my uh, original series deck, try and get the... Uh, uh, that to start working, I, it was. It, I thought it would be a, a fun deck to do the original series with their uh, coordinated counterattack with skill mission or with skill dilemma, and yeah. so being able to up the number of uh, uh, skills on a dilemma, and then also playing um, uh, the the one with uh, the Q as a mortal, where his buddy's coming out of the wall, um, keeping track of you. Yeah, keeping track of you could double those things, so I, I'm getting I could get up to uh, six parting thoughts out, and uh, you know just keep dumping my hand basically. And uh, original series are really good at drawing cards, so Absolutely. that was another idea. So putting those together, I don't think eleventh grading is going to make it you know huge or anything, but it was just one little tool that it was like, oh, that would be nice. And I built a couple other decks like that before, so I think that's one of the things I'm going to try out again. I I definitely think. Uh... Deep Space Nine might even be more hotly popular than Bajorans, at least right out of the gate. Oh, uh, absolutely. It, the the uh, Jerash in you, not Jerash in you, uh, Charles Watley was Charles. one of those cards that the playtesters uh, were very concerned about early. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, I'm going to get Kirk and Data and get 10 cost <laughs> people in. And I don't know why I'm using that voice, but... You know, th th their c concern was legitimately, well, I'm going to get two really high-cost people that are awesome and bring them into play. And we watched it, and, and we, we talked about changing it and talked about changing it. And there was one suggestion that I really liked, which was uh, changing the character from Charles Watley to Patrick, the, the genetically enhanced guy who proposed as the Admiral in that episode. And he, yeah. would, he would let you go, instead of downloading any two Earth people get two genetically enhanced Earth people and sort of make that those guys useful at Deep Space Nine, which I thought that was a great suggestion. And, Absolutely. And pushed for it for a while, but it turns out, as testers kept using it, they started to realize that, well, this isn't really all that good, because if I put in a lot of Kirks and Datas in my deck, I draw them and I can't use them. And if I only put in, like, one Kirk and one Data in my deck, and if I get them in my opening hand, I can't download them with Jerashinio. Or Charles Watley. So it became, even though it's a powerful ability, and yes, you absolutely can get original Thinker Kirk and Data into a Deep Space Nine deck, you, you know, it it has moving pieces, and if those don't move right, you're in trouble. And, and plus, if you use original Thinker Kirk, once you return him, you can't play him again. Yeah. So you get Kirk I would, once. I wonder that when the playtester is saying, well, I grab Kirk, and I'm like, well, so you get to use him once? I don't understand. What's the great... I think at one point it was an order, though. Is that right? I don't think it was. It might have been. So it might have been more concerning. And you could always uh, return Charles Watley to your hand and play him again, you know. True. But it, that's a, a lot of hoops to jump through to get Kirk in Deep Space Nine when you could just play Deep Space Nine Earth and play him straight, too. Yeah. So 
I'm really more happy to see Jarashinyo and Promenade School. Uh, because I think those will be better in a Deep Space Nine Earth deck. Hopefully we'll see some Deep Space Nine Earth out there. Hopefully not with cadets, although I'm sure they'll be there. But uh, <laughs> that, that, that headquarters has gotten like no play over the last three years. I'd really like to see some people try it. I think uh, another deck that I was thinking as we were getting towards the end of designing cards, I want to put Richard Galen with... Uh, uh, can't remember his first name, Otner, the the wormhole. Oh, Be- Bejel Otner. Yeah, because he, ga- he, he Galen makes him gain every skill on a mission. He scores five points for every skill he uses. I remember looking that up, and th- you know, towards the end, I was thinking, I wonder who, who can uh, who can Richard Galen really abuse? And you know, that was one of the one. I so I started looking up the people that didn't have the when you complete a mission, they had when you use a skill. So that he, one was a fun one. That's yep. Might be the other one that I saw was to do uh, a dual headquarters deck with Klingons and have him give Ozit Bor all the skills and then right. destroy like 40 maneuver, uh, solid maneuver events to have, her, you know, she has every skill on the mission then and you can score a bunch of bonus points that way if you have enough uh, battle events out. So that, that card actually came about from Brad has done uh, designer challenges. So, those of you who don't know what we what we have in behind the scenes for the designers, we sort of have like a lobby area. It's a it's a one message board where anybody who's ever been a designer on any expansion can see it and post there. And then each expansion has its own sub forum that only the people who are on that forum can see. And every now and then, Brad would put up a, a designer challenge, and he'd say, "I want to do this, make a card." One of them was like, "Make a card inspired by lightning," and everybody was just like, "Huh?" Yeah, but. Sometimes he's like, make a new Telek Ramor, and one of them was uh, make a new Richard Galen, and, and everybody suggested ideas, and even though we didn't use any of those, it got us all thinking about Galen, and I'm really happy with the final card. I know you had a big hand in him, so he's good. Good job. So. Um, was there anything that didn't make it into Extreme Measures that you wish had? Hmm. I, I, oh, I'd have to look back through the play files, but... Um... Uh, off the top of my head, not really. I mean, I think it, it, I feel like anything that got cut really wasn't working, so it, it, it makes sense that it, it we didn't see it in the final cut. And uh, yeah, there's a couple things that I'm sure that I, I'll hope that sometime in the future we'll revisit and try it again. But uh, and I'm sure you know, I mean, every set the new designers want to put. Uh, their own cards in, so uh, it's hard to get some of those ideas that, hey, we're going to push that to the next set, and then they get dropped because, you know, there's so many good ideas that are coming out of the next group. So um, I I think overall I'm really happy with it. I'm not sure that there's anything really that I was desperate to see uh, in in the the game. I I kind of regret not putting something for the Klingons in here because – They've kind of gotten the shaft for like the last year. They really haven't we really, we really made any Klingon stuff. And, and to be fair, they don't really need much. They're very mm-hmm. good. But the point in the design where there was like two slots open, so I'm like, okay. So I threw in a, uh, uh, put up a suggestion for a, a matching, a captain matching commander and uh, uh, didn't see it in the next play test file, so I didn't push it. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, I, I had tried at one point because Klingons are definitely my favorite. So. I think that 
Maybe I'll, I will go to the design team for the next expansion and say, find a Klingon deck that isn't very popular and make some cards that help it, because we need to get some red cards in one of these virtual expansions here. So, <laughs> so as everybody's well aware, Brad has retired as our lead designer. Yeah. What were your thoughts on that, and do you have any concerns about the future? Uh, no concerns about the future. I mean, uh, there's if anybody does, you just have to look at the last... Uh, uh, what now? Uh, seven years that we've been doing the continuing committee, and look at your leadership. And I mean, not kissing my boss's butt here, but uh, <laughs> you, you've done an outstanding job. And I uh, think uh, you, you look at the um, uh, the uh, reviews of your leadership, and you can see all the comments and how many people agree. It, it, you, there's no need for any concern. Charlie will steer us in the right direction. Um, as far as seeing what, uh, seeing Brad leave, it was disappointing. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I, I saw his message and I, I just didn't know what to say. I was, I, I think it's gonna, it's gonna be, um, difficult trying to really, anybody who's put in the charge of an expansion is going to feel like I, I, I'm not sure I can, I'm not sure I can pick up the reins here, but um, I think the community is going to uh, come through it, and, and our designers are going to step up, and uh, we're going to be just fine. Well, just just from your point of view, you know, you're one of probably six or seven people that have worked with Brad since the Continuing Committee started doing expansions. How much did he teach you? How, how much of his knowledge did he pass on to you, or did you absorb from him working with him over these these two expansions uh um well number one uh when uh i first got access to you like the community's um page that you were talking about the the forum where all designers can just come together and just write random stuff read through everything that i could um there was one at the beginning that he suggests you you should read this book um uh and now i forget the title but i bought that book and read it and in fact, there's been times that I've used. It's about brainstorming, and I can't remember. You know the title. I mean, he. I'm gonna look. All the... I'm gonna look it up. Keep talking. I'm gonna look okay. it up. <laughs> uh, and uh, as I as I am designing every once in a while, and I'm kind of trying to come up with an idea. You know, uh, Brad will be like, you know, in Valkyrie, we gotta have cards that feel like we're. It's it's a woman card. You know, how do you make a card feel feminine? And I'm looking things up online, like what defines the feminine persona and, you know, all this other stuff. And finally it gets down to, uh, I did an exercise in that book where you just basically pick a random word and see how it connects to whatever you're doing and go from that. And it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic tool because it's just, uh, it, it, your mind it is always connecting everything around you. Everything that you experience at any point in time uh, is connected to whatever else is going on at that time. And so you find the weirdest connections in your head when you all of a sudden, you know, just pick a random word and a, you look at soup. Oh, soup. Uh, oh, that reminds me of the time that, you know, my aunt fed me chicken noodle soup when I was sick. And all of a sudden now you're talking about, you know, the motherly nature of your uh, your aunt when she when you were sick and uh, that's that's an idea that i want to do is is uh you know a card that takes care of your opponent makes them feel better when they're down and gives you a little reward for it something like that and i mean this is just me brainstorming right now but 
it's it's an amazing uh, it was an amazing book and I really enjoyed the the trick that it taught me and, and I still use uh, I mean just randomly like Brad always joked about we you know how do you pick you know such and such in the set we throw darts well part of the book is hey throw a dart at something and see what shows up and get an idea from that so I yeah I learned a lot just from the design philosophy how you become a creative person I don't think I'm ever gonna look at creativity in the same way again I mean just as a baseline uh, uh, thing that he's taught me as far as things that the game has done um, there's probably a hundred other th things that uh, he's taught me ha uh, definitely one of the things I learned about um, uh, writing cards for this card game especially is uh, wordiness does not mean it's better um, just I, I used to write wall of text uh, cards um, I, the other thing is uh, memory conditions. Uh, the, you know, not all the players. Uh, and that was one of Chris. If there's one thing Chris and I disagreed on in, in Valkyrie was any time that I suggested a card that said, "Hey, name this and remember it," and he would be like, "I can never remember that stuff." So don't put that on a card. Um, and that was, yeah, I thought that was a, a, a great lesson to learn. Is uh, you gotta have everything on the card and not too much, or else it gets confusing very fast. Uh, that's probably another one, you know, the, that's probably one of the lessons that is hardest to learn for, for designers because part of it is too, you can think of it in your head in like one sentence, but when you try to put it in CCG language, a lot of times it doubles or triples in length. Oh yeah. And you know, you sometimes you just got to keep it simple and I am still looking for the name of this book and not finding it. Is it like... I'll I can go to my book. I'm sure and find it. <laughs> well, you know what? I will. I'll find it and post it in the show notes link with the show. So, but you know, there's a couple books like that, and, and Brad has, Brad's got a thread where it's just quotes that he that he likes to get you thinking, and and he's done such an amazing job at teaching you know you and me and Chris and James and um, trying to think of who else has done it. I don't know. There's more. I'm sorry, you guys. I can't think of your names, but uh, Keller, Matt, uh, he's done such a good job at teaching us what we need to know to be not only better Star Trek designers, but better game writers. Uh, I don't have any fear for the future, no matter who ends up wearing that title. Uh, you know, he's given us all the resources, and it's not like the man's gone. I mean, I can still, I still text him fairly regularly, so. I, I don't have any fear for the future, and I hope that nobody out there in the community does either. Second. So, and thank you for your compliments, by the way. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. You're enough. Well, one thing I like to do on this show is a random card review. I already have my master spoiler up. Okay, what is it? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> oh, I'm your saying master I have my master gotcha. so I can look it up very quickly and, you know. All right, well, the card, I have randomly selected a card out of my pile of rares. And the card we have today is the Romulan Spock. Ah. Celebrated Ambassador from Strange New Worlds. Actually, it's the... I tried to build so many decks with this guy in it. It took... It, I, I wasted so much time trying to make the uh, dissidents work. They're, they're, they're fun. They're tough. The, um, the only deck that I've ever used this guy in was the 
Cardassian Romulan dissident deck where you use Kira Ileana Gamor to lose five points to download three dissidents. So you never actually pay for this guy. You download him into play and then he makes all of your Romulans plus one, which kind of is pretty handy. But he's he's got such a big target on his back. But e- Even in a regular Romulan deck, he's good. Absolutely. I mean, if you take his ability away, he's still, you know, two diplomacy, eight integrity, eight cunning. He costs four, so he works with wariness. There's really no downside to this guy. And if you do happen to run dissidents, he makes all your Romulans better. <laughs> I mean, is there is there a downside to this guy? I, You know, I don't think so. I mean, the, at, I remember at the time looking at the cost, you're like, four costs, that's ridiculous, you know, but... Nowadays, four costs is nothing. Uh, it, it seems like the game really has shifted towards, uh, you know, four is normal for personnel. If they're less than that, you're sort of like, eh, I'm not, maybe I'm not even too interested I- anymore because they, they don't have that uh, the high cost helping them out with different things. And uh, I mean, if they're more than four, that I mean, five is sort of my new four, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, the thing that I've noticed is that the the people who've really suffered are the three costers. People, yeah. people always want one and twos because they speed you up, and people want fours because they trigger all the four or more stuff. But the three cost people are starting to get you know banished to binders. So it's interesting. It, it's amazing how the game ebbs and flows. So, well, is there anything else that we you want to talk about? We didn't talk about. Um, it's not okay off if the not. top of my head, but uh, just uh. I guess a quick uh, job notes in the, in the future. I will be uh, helping out again. I hope. Hopefully, I mean I can't say for sure. Obviously, we've we've got our <laughs> we've got our team in place for this next expansion, which is uh, I think we've said it's, it's Project Rizzy, and um, well, we'll be revealing some more information about that here soon. But uh, Brad did a lot of work on that one before he left. Brad set up the one after that. So I mean, we, like I said, we've got expansions throughout 2011 already planned. Uh, we don't have a team for that one, so you never know. You can always... Uh, I will accept bribes. You can send them to C-Plane. And, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'm here to... Well, I'm glad. And, and everybody out there, enjoy your extreme measures and go get them printed and enjoy your release tournaments. Uh, Richard, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. No problem. We will catch you all next week. from a look into your eyes. Are you a fan of the Dominion Affiliation? If so, and you'd like to be on the show to talk about the Dominion Affiliation, its strengths, its weaknesses, what it could use, what it doesn't need, and, and how to play it, send a message to Midnight Lich on the Trek CC forums, and we can get you on the show to discuss the affiliation.